Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hello, welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer. Today is a solo show. Uh, I'm going to talk you through 21 ways to live more considerately. And I'll explain a little bit how that came about uh, as we get into the show. But before that, a couple of news flashes I want to share with you. Um, firstly, we are, at the time of recording, we are about to beta test a Six Signals course. Um, it's called Six Signals, Health, Fitness and Wellbeing for Busy Professionals. So a similar title to this podcast. And this is an e-learning course. It's an online course with about two and a half hours to three hours of content. And we're marketing this for probably around £149 and we'll be offering that on our website, but also across some of our social media channels. This is designed for people who aren't quite ready, perhaps for a coaching program, but have got issues going on in what we call the six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, fitness. So we've created this online course. It's delivered by me via videos um, and we have some supporting resources uh, on, on the the platform as well and we take you through essentially eight videos an introductory video and then each of those signals in turn and then our winning philosophies we share with you at the end so things that we've seen people do that enable them to go from just intellectually understanding what it is that we're, we're teaching them to translating that using emotional intelligence into action and then successful action as well so that's going to be out very, very soon. Look out for an announcement on that. But really, it's for anybody who thinks that they, they need a bit of help with practical uh, tips, a little bit of education, but really practical tips that they can take to improve sleep, for example. So what are some of the common problems with sleep and how can I resolve them? Similarly for mental health, what are some of the common issues we see? What are some of the common causes? And what can you do right now, as soon as you finish that module, to help get a better balance of mental health and help... Uh, understand how you can support good mental health and sustain it into the future and become a little bit more resilient as well. Same for energy. A lot of people lack energy. It's one of the key things that we noticed um, when we've worked with, with hundreds of people. A lack of energy seems to be the most prevalent thing, caused perhaps by some of the other signals or it, it's the effect. So we'll talk a bit about energy. How can you get more energy? And we don't just talk about food either or the conventional ways you might think you can give energy to your body. So it, it, we try and take a different slant on this. Similarly for body composition, we talk about some of the common mistakes that we see with body composition, how you can resolve those. And again, for digestion, I talk quite a lot about, about the gut, which we're increasingly learning more about in a global sense. And finally, fitness. You know, what are some of the primary ways that you can maintain fitness, but not just going out there and blasting with high intensity, but fitness at your desk. Uh, low intensity, moderate intensity, high intensity fitness, overall holistic fitness. So it isn't just about how many reps of something you can do and how much you can lift or bench. So we really go into quite a lot of detail and I think we've taken, we've done a lot of research and taken a really interesting slant on this stuff. So I'm hoping that it's going to be very valuable for a lot of people. So keep an eye out for that. That's our Six Signals course, Health, Fitness and Wellbeing for Busy Professionals. And the other thing I wanted to let you know about was reviews. We loved getting reviews for this podcast. So if you've got a couple of minutes to jump onto Apple Podcasts, do a search, remove the guesswork, click on write a review and leave that for us. We really appreciate it. So we've, we've had quite a lot of reviews now, um, five, four and a half, usually five star reviews. That's fantastic. We also love your feedback. So if you've got anything you want to suggest to us, you can drop us an email. Info at bodyshot with a T performance.com. 
Anything you think would be useful that you don't want to show on the review, please just drop us an email. Similarly, if you're somebody you think would make a good guest or you know of a great guest, drop us an email and let us know. Okay, so today's show, this all came about because I have spent this year really going through what it is I spend money on, what I spend time on, and how can I try and live a, a more efficient life? Not just from a financial perspective, because I was conscious that I was spending a lot of money and not, not having much left at the end of the month and thinking, hmm, you know, I don't actually do that much for the money, so where's it going? But also I became aware of, for example, every time you buy a coffee, you spend two, three pounds, depending on where you're getting that from, sometimes more. You take about four or five sips of it, you chuck the cup away. Usually it's not a recycle bin because the street bins are often not, not, not recycling bins. So I became aware of that. The little, little wooden stick that you stir a coffee with if you have milk or sugar, just three or four stirs and that gets tossed away as well. There's a lot of waste. Um, supporting companies that don't necessarily uh, have good employment strategies in terms of the people they hire and the people they pay, all this kind of thing. And I had a bit of an epiphany I just thought there is surely a more efficient and considerate way to live life. And I think this is relevant because it is profoundly linked to well-being, which is our primary obviously, theme from, for this show. I think how we interact with nature, how we interact with the planet is essential. You know, we are just tenants or custodians of this planet. We're there to look after it and hand it down to the, the next generation, ideally in a better state than we found it. And I'm not sure that we're doing that. So I think it's very, very bound into our well-being. You know, you can look after your sleep and you can look after uh, your energy levels and your fitness. But if you're not living considerately, is that really well-being? Is it really feeding back into your, to your own self-esteem and the way that you think about your role in the world? And that's what got me thinking about this. And I went through everything um, and with my partner at home as well. We went through everything and thought, well, what is it we can do to live more considerately right now? And we found quite a lot of things actually, like um, using a bag for life, just a simple thing. We were coming home constantly with carrier bags for places. You know, the, the 5P doesn't put you off carrying a bag when you've got seven or eight items to carry down the road. And then using that bag for something like a bin liner so it's just getting tossed back in the waste. So we made a list of what can we do now, and that list was actually the longest list of all of them. The second was what can we do when we've moved house? So what efficiencies can we make when we've moved, which we're doing fingers crossed in the next few weeks and the third list was what can we do to biohack the house once we've moved into it so how to make that house more efficient and one way of doing that for example is solar panels and by chance the house that we're buying has solar panels so we have that list of three things so again what can we do now to live more considerately what can we do when we've moved and you may not be moving you may not need that middle list and how can we biohack the house to be more more efficient in, in every sense so we made that list. As I say, the first one was the longest. And it just, just made me think, actually, there's, there's quite a lot I can pull out from that and share with you about how to, to live more considerately. And I was actually going to try and record this for you out in nature. I was on Saturday. Um, I was out in Kent and I wanted to stop off somewhere in the middle of nowhere and record this show with the birds tweeting and nature in the background. But alas, it was raining on and off. Uh, the wind was, was pretty lively and it just wouldn't have made a good podcast recording. So here we are recording it indoors as normal. But here are the 21 ways to live more considerately. Let me know what you think about this. Uh, you can drop me an email down to leanne at bodyshopperformance.com or you can leave a comment in the show notes. Uh, but let me know what you think and whether this has been useful or not. So number one, 
is to turn off the tap when you're brushing your teeth. I, up until very recently, I'd be brushing my teeth, you know, maybe two minutes, however long it takes. All that while there's fresh water just rushing out of the tap and into the basin. It's a, it's a shocking waste of water. So what I do now is I just rinse the brush with the toothpaste on and then turn off the tap and brush my teeth. I don't know how much water I'm saving, but you do that twice a day and it's probably quite a bit, particularly when you, when you add it up per person. So turning off the water tap when you're brushing your teeth is one way we can save a little bit of water. The second thing is I've bought a keep cup. So what I was really conscious of is that we are constantly purchasing coffees and hot beverages. And I, I don't know what the statistic is for how many of those cups are purchased a day, but then they're typically just tossed straight into the nearest bin, which isn't usually a recycling bin. So you can buy these keep cups now. I mean, we've been doing it for years with a flask, but these are actually sort of portion sized coffee cups made of glass or plastic. I have the glass one. I want to minimize the amount of plastic that I'm consuming. More on that later. Um, and it's got a, a seal. So very simply, I mean, these aren't new, but I think the awareness of them from a, an environmental perspective it is, is increasing. So I simply carry that around. Um, you get a discount in most coffee vendors if you present that because they're saving on the coffee cup. Uh, you're not consuming up to two or three disposable coffee cups a day, including the plastic lids, um, including the little the sticks that prep put in, for example, to stop the coffee spilling. It's all this plastic, all this waste. And actually, you can really cut that down just by buying a keep cup and carrying that around. So even if you forget that once a week, it's still four or five days of the week that you're actually remembering it and consuming far less of those cups and all that plastic. So that's number two. Number three, excess napkins. So it's a real frustration of mine that when you go into any one of the fast food stores, eat, prep, etc., they'll give you a handful of napkins when actually you just need one, one, maybe two. So if you get given excess napkins, give them back. Give them back or put them back in the, um, you know, by the, the cutlery area, if you're in somewhere like that. I had read, I think it was Pret, that uh, asked people if they were given more than one napkin to make sure they gave it back or to let them know because their staff have been briefed to only provide one napkin. Uh, and that's, that's another thing we can do, just consume less of those napkins. You only need one or two. Um, similarly, when you're in a, a public toilet, you don't need handfuls of napkins or, or uh, hand towels to, to wipe your hands either. Just take one, it works. You, you, can, you can wipe off all the water on your hand with just one of these things. Sounds like perhaps a small thing. Maybe you're listening and you're thinking, is that really gonna make a difference? But it does. When you add up how many excess hand towels there are um, over time, by each individual one of us, then you'll really notice uh, the difference. It's a huge amount of, of excess napkins that are being used or hand towels. There's a brilliant TED talk on this, which I'm gonna share with you in the show notes, where a guy gets on stage and spends five or six minutes instructing us on how we can wash our hands with just one hand towel, or dry our hands, sorry, with just one hand towel. So I'll share that with you. So that's number three. Number four is making sure you turn off lights and the television and anything that's, that's left on when you're not using it. So we can save a huge amount of electricity by switching lights off. We don't need lights on in the house unless of course it's a security light. If you're not in a room, turn the light off. If you're not watching the television, turn it off. Um, anything that's left on, on idle or in sleep mode, you know, could that be turned off? It's a real frustration. Where I live, you've got this beautiful vantage point of um, Canary Wharf, or just up the road from where I live. And all hours of the night and day, that, that is lit up like a candle. It's an extremely uh, inefficient way 
to uh, to run a building. But I guess I guess perhaps they have their reasons. But if only they would turn off just a, a you know half the floors of those buildings when people have left, then they'd save a huge amount and be doing the environment a favour. But anyway, that's number four. So any opportunity to turn off lights, turn off the television, turn off your computer if it's on sleep mode, anything like that, just do it. You save a bit off your bills, but you also we're consuming a little bit less unnecessary energy um, from the planet. Number five on my 21 ways to live more considerately is using local suppliers. So supermarkets have had a fairly devastating effect on our high streets, um, really pushing out greengrocers, butchers and a lot of the local providers. But there's a little bit of a resurgence happening there. Um, people are now a bit more aware of supporting the local butcher, for example, uh, as opposed to getting everything from the supermarkets. And I think one of the major turning points has actually been companies, uh, a little bit like the one I'm going to mention in a second, that are now going out, spidering out to the farms and the local providers and then delivering all of that to the home. So one of the major conveniences, of course, of the supermarket is that you get everything in one place. But a company, for example, like FarmDrop, who, which is who I use, uh, have now made an arrangement with the local farmers. So it's, there's no middleman. They go direct to the farm and they basically say, right, we'd want to do a deal with you. We want to get whatever seasonal ready to come out the ground. Give that to us in a bundle. And we've got these different size of bundles, uh, small, medium, large. And then we'll then resell that and deliver it to the consumer. So farmdrop.com, I will link to in the show notes, is the people that we use. And they go direct to the farmers. Uh, you can read all about the farm uh, in a little bio on their website. And you can select some of the goods that you want. And that's everything from um, environmentally friendly washing up liquid to um, ethically raised um, grass fed beef to happy chickens, uh, vegetables grown without pesticides and spray free farms, all this kind of stuff. So you get really, really good quality food for a reasonable price delivered to your door. No middlemen. Uh, there's a brilliant book by Felicity Lawrence, uh, which again, I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, all about how uh, supermarkets treat farmers, and it's not good. So it's really great if you can cut out that link. A supermarket has its place, but if you can work with local suppliers, that's a great way to live more considerately. You're helping that farmer out. You're probably getting a much better quality food. Um, that that would be my, uh, my recommendation, and that's certainly something we do in my household. So that's number five. Number six is to prioritise provenance, not price, when you're buying food. So this really comes back directly to health. If you buy cheap, you are, let's talk, take the example of a chicken. If you buy cheap, that chicken is going to have a miserable upbringing. And even if you don't care about that, um, that chicken is likely to be pumped full of water. It's likely to be pumped full of hormones, chemicals. Uh, it's been reared in such a way that it's just grown as quickly as it possibly can be. So it's the right size to be killed and packaged and dropped off in the supermarkets. That just isn't the way we used to buy food and we need to go back to buying things based on provenance and not price. If anything looks cheap, I just wouldn't go near it. There's a certain uh, price point for meat, for example, where you just don't want it to be less than this. So some of the chickens that we buy are 12, 13 quid. I know in the supermarket you can get three chickens for a tenner, but I just wouldn't want to go near that meat. So prioritising provenance over price is really important. And culturally, and Felicity Lawrence talks about this in her book, um, we used to spend a large proportion of our household budget on a weekly basis on food. But culturally, we've now been indoctrinated to buy to buy cheap, to try and get that food budget down as low as possible. And I understand that people have financial constraints and that you can't spend a fortune on, on food, but you don't need to 
to prioritise the provenance of it. A greengrocer will be able to tell you where the vegetables have come from, whether they've come from an organic spray-free farm or not. Similarly, a butcher, our local butchers here in South London, uh, is not expensive, either of them actually. They're not expensive to buy the meat from and they can tell you exactly where it's come from and how it's been reared and what kind of a life it's had. So provenance over price is really important, not just for ethical reasons, uh, whether that bothers you or not, but just from a health perspective. You're not eating something pumped full of water and hormones and chemicals. So that's number six. Number seven um, is, is an old one. It's recycling. Uh, I say it's an old one, but I think we are just waking up to recycling. Um, I, I recycle everything. I have done for quite a while. Um, but, you know, there's other things that we haven't done that effectively, like our use of plastic carrier bags, for example. But recycling. And I think this falls down into to two areas, actually. It's recycling in terms of recycling your glass and your plastic and your bottles in, in the home, but also recycling your possessions. So we've just gone through a real cull of clothes and then we're going to come to some other things in the house. And what can we recycle? What can we give to other people? Has this been worn in the last six or 12 months? If not, let's give it to someone who does want to wear that jumper, uh, who can't afford to buy a jumper. I mean, it's immensely gratifying to recycle something rather than throwing it away or hoarding it giving it to somebody else so they can get some value from it. But also recycling our glass and our plastics and everything else so they can be produced into something else. Buying recycled products like recycled toilet paper, for example. So recycling is, uh, is number seven. Number eight is consume less stuff. Um, I've really changed my attitude in the last few months about what I consume. There was a time that um, only six plus months ago, I went to buy some t-shirts, bought seven or eight of them, different colors, same style of t-shirt from Superdry three would have done. It's just consuming less stuff. Um, and that, that is across the board, really. You know, we tend to overbuy on food, perhaps because we're encouraged to go for deals, multi-value multi deals. Um, it's just overconsumption. And if you, if you sit down and think about how much, how many things you buy and what your money goes on, actually, it's a lot of stuff. And then we look around in the house and think, I haven't got room for anything because there's things everywhere. Um, there's a brilliant website which I've just got familiar with called theminimalists.com and I'll link to this in the show notes as well. Um, and these two guys, uh, Ryan Nicodemus and Josh, I can't remember his surname, but I'll link to all of this in the show notes. They had six-figure salaries. They were hugely successful sales guys working out in the States and just realised they weren't happy. They didn't like the way they were living. They were very disenfranchised. So they stripped it all down. They live very minimally now. I mean, I think it's Josh that lives on one suitcase, three shirts, three pairs of underwear that just get regularly washed, etc., etc. They just don't have a lot of things. And whilst I'm not going to that extreme, I have started following them and listening to their podcast. And you'll get all of this from the website that I'm going to share with you in the show notes. It's just quite interesting to find out, to start creating some awareness about what it is that we're consuming and the amount of stuff we're surrounding ourselves with and how you can you can really become more efficient and pare all that down and consume less. So that would be number eight. Number nine is to reduce the amount of plastic that you use and particularly that you store food in. So when plastic heats up, it leaks chemicals that then permeate into your food. So you don't want really to be storing food in plastic if you can. Uh, likewise for cling film and again, aluminium foil as well. It seems kind of uh, obvious now that you wouldn't want to wrap up um, some sweet corn or a chicken in aluminium foil because when that gets hot, it leaks. So you've got this permeating into your food. 
and that's one issue but just reducing the amount of plastic we consume as well everything packaging comes in so many layers of plastic it's immensely frustrating plus the cardboard box that it all arrives in which is often oversized for the item that's in it so just have a look at where you can reduce your plastic the coffee cups that we talked about is one obvious way um, I'm going to be doing a little bit more into this and so maybe there'll be a follow-up if um, this, this show gets good feedback <clears throat> as to how exactly you can reduce your plastic. Or better yet, I'll get an expert on the show and interview them. But just for now, start being a bit more mindful about plastic and how you can reduce the amount of that you have, particularly around your food. Number 10 is being aware of products that are tested on animals and doing a bit of research into brands who ultimately owns a brand and is that a company that tests on animals? Um, this is something I feel extremely passionate about, particularly around cosmetics. Um, any product that is there to make us look good, brackets feel better, um, is should not be tested on animals. I, I think that is utterly abhorrent, but uh, certain things perhaps um, from a medical perspective, um, but certainly not for, for cosmetics and things like that. So just being aware of the way animals are treated and actually when I published this as a LinkedIn post uh, I think I said something like increase your awareness of, of animals um, particularly when eating meat and somebody sort of called me on it and said well if we're, if we're being considerate about animals should we not stop eating meat completely and yep it's a fair point but I think from a health perspective unless you are very um, very aware of how you can get the right amount of proteins, plant-based proteins into your diet, giving up meat is not always a healthy option if you're not educated and you haven't got a plan and a strategy. So if you are gonna carry on eating meat, which for now I am, I'm very careful about the provenance. I wanna make sure that, that that animal is well treated. So tested on animals or not is an important one. 11, walk, don't drive. Consider when you can, you can walk rather than taking the car out. So you're not chugging out exhaust fumes on your journey or you could share a lift with somebody so that there's not two cars going out, there's only one car going out. But any opportunity to walk, not drive, has that benefit to the environment and of course the benefit to you because you're getting out there and physically moving. Number 12 is a bag for life. Uh, I have got lots of these things where I've forgotten to take one out to the supermarket uh, or shopping and come back with another one. But having a bag for life in your bag, having a bag for life in your car, just having one in all the spots where you might likely need it, and you don't need to purchase another and you don't need to purchase carrier bags. It's, it's such an obvious one, but we need to all start getting a little bit more on board with this, I think. Number 13 in my 21 ways to live more considerately is showing gratitude. I've talked about this in a previous podcast, which I'll link to. I think it was the Hugger episode uh, that I recorded from a shepherd's hut. So we used to say uh, in religious households, we used to say grace before meals. And whilst I'm not religious, um, I do like that idea of just sitting there for a moment and being mindful about your food, <clears throat> excuse me, showing gratitude to the animal perhaps that gave its life for that, that plate of food, for the vegetables, and just, I think, being a little bit more aware before we eat that food or shovel it in and get on to the next thing about what's on our plate and showing gratitude for that. There's many that don't have the luxury of having that good quality food on a plate. Gratitude's an interesting thing. Uh, a physician called the Robert Emmons, PhD, actually looked at gratitude and he did some studies on this and he found that those who kept a gratitude journal on a weekly basis exercised more, had fewer physical symptoms, felt better about their lives as a whole and were much more optimistic about the coming week. So this is now the practice perhaps of keeping a journal or just writing down two or three things at the end of the day that you're grateful for. Uh, he also found that people who 
who kept a gratitude journal were more likely to have made progress towards an important personal goal over a two-month period. So it increases awareness, um, self-awareness, and helps people to achieve their goals, as well as just generally working on their well-being. And he also found that doing daily gratitude interventions with young adults resulted in high reported states of alertness, enthusiasm, determination, attentiveness and energy compared to a focus on hassles or a downward social comparison. So comparing yourself to others in an inferior way. So very, very powerful thing, gratitude. I'll link to that other episode I did. But that's just another way to live more considerately, showing gratitude and awareness and um, being mindful about how we eat and what we eat and what we're doing on this planet. Number 14 is contribution. Uh, this is one of Tony Robbins' six universal needs. And he also uh, has recorded the podcast that I re-listened to recently about his six universal needs. It's a really good one. So I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but my form of contribution, so I thought about this. I do already support a charity. I support Alzheimer's Research. I've raised um, £5,000 from them already. And we're doing a very big event next year to try and raise another £10,000. I volunteer for a charity called Diversity Role Models. And these, this is a charity designed to combat and eradicate biphobic, homophobic and transphobic bullying in schools. So I go into schools as part of um, five hourly workshops and I do a five minute talk. Um, and that's been very gratifying. It's been a really great piece of work to do. And you go in there and you see some very heartening things and you go into schools and you think, geez, we've got a lot of work to do. So that's one form of contribution that I make. But you can also, you know, financially, I support a charity. I support Shelter. There's lots of things that you can do to make a contribution. You can also contribute to your local community. Maybe there's an elderly person down the road. Um, but donate your time, donate your skills, volunteer, financially support a charity, actually go out and help somebody, <clears throat> random acts of kindness. Making a contribution is really, really important to our self-esteem and our overall well-being. Um, and if you aren't currently doing much, don't feel bad about it. Just find something and try it and you'll feel immensely better about yourself and your place in the world when you are making a contribution in that way. And that links me up to point 15, which is helping others. So when we help others, there's a hormone that's released called oxytocin. It's the bonding and the connection hormone. So a mother has this with a newborn baby, perhaps when she breastfeeds. When we hug each other, we get oxytocin released. And when you help other people, you get that release of oxytocin. <clears throat> so it can be very gratifying to do, as well as the benefit of having helped someone. So that's number 15. Number 16 is prioritise animal welfare. So it kind of links with my point about being uh, products tested on animals. But when you are buying meat, for example, uh, or any sort of product that's been potentially tested on animals, think about that animal. Think about the welfare. Be mindful of, of whether or not the product you're consuming or the piece of meat you're consuming was worth perhaps what that animal went through. Um, and that's one that I feel very strongly about. Number 17 is volunteer or organise a litter pick. So when I go out hiking on Saturday, for example, I took with me a carrier bag and I picked up rubbish. Thankfully, I didn't have to pick up very much. There's the odd can, uh, the odd wrapper. Sometimes it's been blown off the road. Um, you can, I volunteered actually at a litter pick last year in Wales on a beach. That was a lot of fun. Um, but you can organise your own as well. And Surfers Against Sewage, uh, which I'll link to in the show notes, uh, frequently organise uh, litter picks on beaches around the country so if you do live on the coast I would su suggest um, seeing if you can get involved in that it's a very worthwhile cause number 18 is reuse or mend or buy second hand so it kind of links with the recycling thing 
If you've got something that can be used again and again and again, like the keep cup, fantastic. If you've got something that's broken, can it be mended or repaired rather than buying a new one? Or could you go out and get something secondhand? Um, just, uh, just really useful ways that we can stop consuming so much stuff and just reuse and recycle. Number 19 is switch your utility company or provider to somebody that doesn't support fracking and supports renewable energy sources. So I'm going to credit uh, Susie Elkerton with this and I will link to her site as well. She's actually really raised awareness for me um, about ways that you can be more considerate and efficient and environmentally friendly. So there's two providers that Susie recommended to me. One is Bulb, which I'm going to link to in the show notes, and the other is People's Energy. Um, they are companies that don't support fracking and they they have very competitive pricing and they support more <coughs> excuse me renewable or green energy sources. So have a look at what you can do to switch. When we move, we're going to be switching to People's Energy or Bulb. I'm not sure which, but definitely one of those two. Number 20 is use stainless steel rather than non-stick. The problem with non-stick, popular as it was with Teflon, is that if it gets overheated, it leaks surface particles and toxic gases into your food. Stainless steel doesn't do that. It's the healthiest way to cook or, um, or to store food, in fact. So go with stainless steels. Um, the toxic gases and surface particles are called perfluoro-octanoic acids, PFOAs. It's a mouthful, as you just heard. That's a chemical that's linked, been linked with cancer, flu-like disease caused by inhaling the fumes, um, and they are dangerous as well to pregnant women. So stainless steel rather than non-stick is always better. You don't want food containers or um, cooking implements that, that are going to leak, uh, leak chemicals into your food. And the last one, number 21, is houseplants for air purity. So in our office, we recently bought a cheese plant uh, which I take care of every week by stroking the leaves to keep the dust off them and watering it. Um, but it, it, it produces a lot of oxygen for us, so we're breathing fresh air in that office building, which is really important to me. Uh, there's another plant called the Gotu Cola, uh, G-O-T-U-K-O-L-A, which is an Ayurvedic herb, which is good for mental clarity and longevity of life. But houseplants for air purity are really important. When we move, I'm going to be putting houseplants um, in all the rooms so we get that lovely production of of oxygen in there. So they are the 21 ways to live more considerately. Uh, this is slightly different from the normal kind of show we do. So let me know what you think. Has it been useful? Um, is it connected to the overall themes that we talk about? Are there any things that you want to challenge or suggest or add on to? So send me an email, Leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E at bodyshotperformance.com. Leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, subscribe to the show. And that's it from me. Have a great week and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that and it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.